This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 215 of the Pesky Report. I'm Ed Hand. Um, today, I'm joined by Chris Willis of Battery Power. It's a Braves uh, website. How are you doing today, uh, Chris? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, and Chris is uh, coming on to give us a little bit of a preseason uh, sneak peek of the Braves. This is the second of our series Uh we had um, the Marlins yesterday, so staying in the NL East, uh, that was more of a coincidence than a design. But hey, with any luck, maybe we'll get the Mets or the Phillies next. Uh, but uh, yeah, how are you? How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing good. Uh, enjoying some of the spring training baseball, getting ready for a full afternoon. I hope. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's going good. It's good to have baseball back. Yeah, seriously. And um, how? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, what's battery power, and uh, how did you uh, get involved with it? Battery Power is the uh, Atlanta Braves site for SB Nation. And um, I had written, I've been writing at SB Nation since 2010. I really started out in basketball, uh, but I moved over to the Braves site in 2015. And I went full time in uh, May of 2021. So uh, I do this for a living now. So and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I love the Braves and uh, um, obviously love SB Nation, too. Yeah. Were you, did you go to journalism school? No, I did not. I'm, I'm, uh, what I what you would call an amateur blogger, I guess. Uh, it was just uh, I worked a real job and did this on the side for a long time, and uh, it was uh, you know it was it was a fun hobby uh, that eventually you know paid off. So I'm uh, I'm really thankful. What were you doing before this? I worked at a recreation center, uh, kind of uh, run the programs. So you know I've been around sports my whole life, baseball, basketball, and you know helped organize the sports leagues and. Um, uh, you know, scheduled things, found umpires, found coaches, the whole, the whole nine yards. And then I would come home at night and, uh, put on this other hat and, uh, you know, and handle, handle sports stuff. Yeah. Now, did, did you grow up a Braves fan? Yes. I'm, I live in Georgia. Uh, I've been an Atlanta sports fan pretty much most of my life, uh, follow all the local teams, but yeah, I grew up the Braves. One of the first memories I have of professional sports was the Braves and, uh, watching, uh, watching those old TBS days, um, back then. So, 
Yeah, I have some vivid memories of uh, the Braves for that exact reason with TBS. Um, it was all—it was always nice because if the Red Sox weren't playing, you could just go to TBS. They'd be on the. The Cubs were kind of similar because they had the WGN team, so if you had basic cable, you had access to a few teams that you might not normally uh, see. But um, what was the first Braves team that you really remember? Um, I really started follow like the first one I remember was in um '82 when they started uh 13 and 0, and I was young. And but I remember I can remember that, and I don't remember watching too many games. Obviously, I didn't get to stay up too late. Um, but I really got into baseball around '86, and I'd say from then on, you know, I pretty much watched whenever whenever I had the opportunity. And the Braves were tough to watch back then, you know, but they were on all the time. And uh, you know, and I think you know, going through those years is what made those '90s teams so special because you know, for a long time, you're like, this can't, you know, we we'll never never see a real good team here and then you know all of a sudden we didn't know anything but winning uh through that through that run with all those hall of famers and uh you know so that was that was pretty it was a pretty sweet uh transition to get to see both sides of it of the big three starters of that period um greg maddox tommy lavin and uh, john smaltz which one was your favorite Maddox is still probably my favorite. Um, I know, you know, he wasn't the home, kind of the homegrown guy, but, you know, to me, there was a, a period of time there where he was just absolutely the best in baseball um, and did it with, you know, not overpowering stuff. Um, just just was unreal to watch. And, you know, I think back to that time, and I don't know if I appreciated it, honestly, as much as I should have, uh, just because you had so many Hall of Famers there and, you know, and then, but I mean, you can't, you know, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, I mean, they've, you know, it's, it's unreal to have three of three pitchers of that caliber on the same team. Yeah. Like any day at the, at the ballpark, you could see something special there. Tommy Glavin, yeah. I think is uh, someone that holds some uh, sentimentality for me. Cause he, he's from Billerica, Massachusetts, which is right. like two towns away from where I grew up. I think his brother's the coach of, uh, at least he used to be the coach of the Northeastern team. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're still somewhat involved in the scene here, but, um, it's funny that you mentioned it with not appreciating Greg Maddox, because when I was growing up, um, I think my first team was 1998 with the Red Sox, and Pedro Martinez was really starting to kind of dominate the scene around here. And I don't think I appreciated Pedro, like that every time you saw Pedro pitch, it was it was an experience. The closest we've had since is, um, you know, like a, when Chris Sale was healthy mm-hmm. and in 2017 2018 but the, something like that's pretty special i imagine the, the mets had that with Degrom, and uh i guess yeah. now and verlander but uh yeah no it's it, it's it's special when you get to see guys like that on the regular but um you know i'm gonna ask you about the one red Sox player that's coming over from the braves this year before we go into anything purely braves related and what is your scouting report on adam duvall man adam adam's been He's been real fun to watch. Um, you know, unfortunately, got off to a slow start last year, and uh, but was coming alive right when that wrist injury happened. And I, you know, I, I think the Braves never really kind of recovered. I think they really could have used him down the stretch. You go back to twenty twenty one, that magical run at the end of the season. A lot of people overlook, but you know, Adam Duvall played a huge part in that after the Braves reacquired him from the um, from the Marlins, and he played center field. And that was just kind of a throw in there uh, when that happened. We're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know how this is going to work out. But not only did he play center field, he did it at a, at a pretty high level. And, um, you know, that's just a test. You don't see guys move out of the corners to the to center 
at that stage of, his, of a career very often. So it's just a testament to his hard work. You know, he's kind of streaky at the plate. I mean, 2020, he had one of the most miraculous two-week runs. I think there was a three-homer game, actually, against the uh, against the Red Sox mixed in there. But, you know, he he was just scorching high, and that's what I've kind of seen out of him. He can, he can kind of just be floating along and then just all of a sudden carry a team for a couple of weeks. But I think the defensively, you know, even last year when he wasn't hitting to start the season, you know, the Braves outfield was a mess. Cunha was hurt. Michael Harris wasn't in the majors yet. And and Duvall was kind of the glue defensively. I mean, he was he was having to cover way more than he probably should have uh, been asked to and did a good job, showed up every day, you know, to, to work. So it was – I hated to see it, his season end last year with that wrist injury. And then I kind of – I really kind of thought that the Braves might bring him back. Honestly, it was one of those things we were kind of waiting to see. Uh, but it was it was good to see him get an opportunity in Boston because I'm sure he's going to play a big part there. Yeah, the center field, that's good to know that he was able to handle center field uh, because that's the question I think a lot of people have about him here in Boston um, because he's what basically happened was Trevor Story got hurt at second base. Right. They had to move Kike Hernandez into the infield, so Duvall's coming in to play center. And the question is, oh, can he handle it? He's been a quarter outfielder his whole life. So that's mm-hmm. that's reassuring to hear that he was able to do a pretty good job with it in, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, the um, the metrics, you know, really backed it up too. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not flashy out there or anything. But you know, if you if you you need somebody to play it, you know, I, I think he he really showed that. And like I said, uh, they tried a lot of things, you know, in that run to the World Series. But once they once they settled on Duvall and center, everything else just kind of fell in place. So you know, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in him. You know, if the bat if he if he's hitting well, that you know he can handle one of those spots for you for you guys. From the 2021 perspective with you guys, was that World Series, looking back at it, was that a surprise? Oh, yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way to there's no way to put a, a you know, I, I compare it a little bit to what we saw with the Phillies last year, you know, who just got, I mean, there was a, right there at the end of the season, I think two weeks before the regular season, it looked like they may miss the playoffs entirely. The Braves were under 500 virtually until the beginning of August, and Ronald Acuna Jr. tears his knee up, you know, coming, uh, going, heading into the all-star break, Ian Anderson comes down with a shoulder injury. I mean, it looked bleak. I mean, you, at the, we were wondering if they were really, they might consider selling, you know, uh, selling some pieces off. And of course they didn't do that. They went out, got Jock Peterson, basically, uh, rebuilt their whole outfield with, uh, so Jorge Soler and, um, and, and Duvall who came in and played a big part and, and just got on this unbelievable run. And, uh, and, you know, and was able to just keep playing and carried that right through, you know, in the postseason. But, yeah, it, it, you know, you just – you can't be under 500 for that long. And, and you know, they just kept hanging around, hanging around, but they couldn't make up any ground or anything. And then, you know, when it took off, it, it, it took off. Yeah, and that's kind of – I mean, that's kind of the thing. In October, anything could happen. It's just getting getting into the dances once uh, important the breeds definitely – showed that last year or two years ago um right. how the team looked last year what was uh what was the 2022 experience for Braves fans well i mean the 20 you know i mean you look at the end of the day they won 101 games um but it kind of started kind of similar to 2021 i mean they're under 500 at the end of may and i think the two big things that happened is michael harris comes up from double a and um it goes to center field, which frees Duvall up to go to a corner and Duvall's bat kind of took off at that point. And then Spencer Strider went into the rotation on a full-time basis. 
And I mean, it was unreal. I mean, they were 10 and a half games out at that point and they run the Mets down and, uh, you know, and, and obviously won, won their fifth straight division. Um, I think they need, they hinted at the playoffs. I mean, they really grinded to get that division title and, um, they they entered the playoffs. They really needed that buy from a, a, a from a rest standpoint for their pitching staff and the bullpen. Strider was hurt, but I think it also I don't want to say it, it was the reason they lost, but those off days I don't think did them a whole lot of uh, favors either. Phillies, you know, the Phillies got hot, finished strong, kept right on playing, and the Braves just kind of run into a buzzsaw right there, you know. And but like you said, I mean. W- you know, those division titles, they're important and everybody wants them and everybody wants that buy in the thing. But as as the last two seasons have shown, it's who's playing hot, who's playing well at the end and just getting to the dance gives you a chance. So, you know, I mean, it was a great season for Atlanta. You know, obviously it just didn't end the way that uh, a whole lot of people were wanting or expecting coming off that World Series win. Yeah, and there were a lot of changes with the Braves too. It's especially, I mean, I think Freddie Freeman. Right. And Matt Olson kind of uh, swapping roles there mm-hmm. uh, was kind of the one of the bigger ones, at least from a national perspective. How did Olson fit in with the team, especially in comparison to Freeman? Well, I mean, you know, Olson had a really good season. Um, he unfortunately a, a slump. August September kind of skewed his final numbers, but it was still it was still a good season. But I mean, it, you know, it had to be an unbelievably difficult situation for him i mean he's coming back home to play which brings its own set of challenges plus he's replacing a franchise legend um you know so i'm expecting a big season out of matt olson this year just because he's been here now he's coming in it's not going to be you know all the all the hype around freddie freeman last year and deservedly so because i mean freeman was an important piece of this franchise and the last memory we'll ever have of freddie freeman it's him throwing those two his arms up, you know, after catching that last out in the World Series, and you know, and we'll always we'll always remember that. But uh, you know, I thought Elson fit in well, and and they locked him up. That that trade looked a whole lot better once they locked him up long term, and uh, you know, so it, he's kind of said he's a, he's part of this core going forward. Um, but you're right. I mean, there was a lot of change coming off that World Series uh, World Series win, and um, you know, you just hope that uh, they. I think they, they've just been doubling down on this core, trying to keep building it. And, uh, you know, and I think they're, they're in good shape to be competitive for a long time. Yeah. That, um, that young core is really impressive. Uh, when you look at how the, um, the front office there has managed to lock guys down long-term, very young. Um, you look at the deal that Ozzy Albee's got, it's an yeah. absolute bargain. You look at what Ronald Acuna got, even after blowing his knee out, it's still an absolute bargain. Right. Um, how's that How's that kind of looked from the fan perspective and just from viewing it? Um, was that a surprise when they started locking these guys down? And now do you kind of just expect them, whatever, like with Vaughn Grissom, if he has a good year, are you kind of like, well, seven years for him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, I, those kind of come out of nowhere. And, I, and then the the value of them, I think surprised a lot of people because I think a lot of people thought Ozzy might've got the a deal that Ronald got. And then Ronald would have gotten much more, you know, had he waited, even though, you know, he is coming out, he's, you know, as, as time went on, he's, he's coming off an ACL tear and really wasn't ever himself last year. But, uh, it, it is, it, it, we have come to expect it a little bit now. I mean, they traded for Sean Murphy this off season and then, uh, it took two weeks, 
uh, for them to get him locked up. So we were kind of waiting around like, well, what's what's going on here? You know, because Matt, the Matt Olson trade happened, and then the next day they announced the extension. So, yeah, it has become uh, rather commonplace. You know, you when they make a move, a significant move or something, that you're kind of wondering, well, are they going to really lock this guy up and, and everything? So, yeah, it, it has kind of become part of the culture. Which of those uh, of the sightings from last year was your personal favorite? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I want to say Michael Harris just because, you know, I mean, I just think he's still. I think we don't we haven't seen the best of Michael Harris yet, which is saying something considering he was a four win player last year, nearly five. I think he's as good a defensive center fielder as anybody in baseball. But I mean, you know, Spencer Strider, if he's able to do what he did last year, if he's able to carry that through and stay, I mean, he's going to put up un, un, unbelievable numbers. Um, so, you know, I think getting those two guys locked up, uh, team-friendly deals, they're going to be here for a long time. We're not worried about them going to arbitration. You're not worried about, you know, the free agent clock ticking. You know, I think that's uh, that was big. And, you know, it's, you know, rookie of the year and rookie of the year runner-up, I think, you know, that's uh, that's pretty surprising because maybe maybe we would could have squinted and thought, oh, they'll, they'll lock, be able to lock one of those guys up. But to get them both, that's, that was pretty cool. Yeah, just to take care of that. No no stress until like six years from now or however long it is. Right. But um, one, one big change that's going to be coming this year, last, like last year it was Freddie Freeman, this year it's Dansby Swanson. Um, is Grisham going to be the shortstop this season? It sounds like that they they really want him to be, and um, it feels like he's going to get every opportunity. Um, you know, I think we wondered if they would get into uh, you know a trade or a free agent signing for a you know a veteran uh, shortstop. We didn't. I didn't really ever think that they were going to go after one of the big big three that was out there. I didn't think that really kind of fit their their salary structure and their mo really, but wondered if they would bring somebody in. I think the question has always been, I think they're really high on Grissom. Uh, but the question's always been throughout the minors was if he's going to be able to stick at shortstop defensively. Uh, there's been speculation, you know, he may end up at third, he could end up in left field. Uh, you know, he kind of came up last year out of necessity. Ozzy was hurt and uh, Orlando Arcia was backing him up and got hurt. So, you know, Grissom makes the jump from double A playing second base place he's never really played that much the bat sparked him he was a huge part down the stretch um you know he spent the offseason working with ron, ron washington um one-on-one in new orleans so you know the braves are confident that he can he can make the progress at short and um you know so far in the spring it's looked pretty good uh you know but we're gonna have to i think we'll have to see we need a few more weeks to look at it to see but it i do really think they really want him to be the short opening day shortstop and i think it really helps them if he is able to do that because that keeps arcia kind of in a utility role and he's he's been pretty good at that the last couple of years would arcia be the backup plan if he's not ready yet yeah, that's for the way it looks right now. I mean, obviously, as teams pare down rosters, you could see some other names come in the mix. But if if Grissom were to, I think the Braves would want Grissom to play every day. So if he doesn't get this opening day job, he's probably going to Gwinnett to play shortstop in hopes of taking the job later on in the season. And I believe it would be Orlando Arcia if that's the case. And then, you know, that would open up that utility spot. They've got a few guys in camp that could compete for that. But it, um, yeah, I do think RC is kind of the uh, the backup emergency plan if if Grissom falters. 
you mentioned Sean Murphy earlier, and um, that was one thing that I remember there were rumors that he was getting traded to the Braves, and I looked at the Braves roster and said, why, why do they need him? They've got uh, Travis Dearnot there. They've got Manny uh, Pena as the backup. What do they need Sean Murphy for? Um, were you surprised when that trade happened? We were a little surprised because, uh, you know, you had Darno and then you had uh, William Contreras, too, who had 20 home runs last year and, and spent a lot of time at DH last year, just kind of came out of nowhere. He was he was kind of the third guy going into camp. Manny Pena gets hurt, you know, and has season-ending wrist surgery. And then Contreras, is, uh, Contreras didn't just come in and fill a spot. I mean, he was he, – he he hit his way into the lineup in a lot of – In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, so – you know, it was a little surprising, um, but I think what you get and with the rule changes, the Braves really value that catcher position defensively, and that's not a that's not a knock on Contreras. Uh, Contreras is uh, he he made a lot of progress last year, but I don't think he's ever going to be Sean Murphy. I think they value Sean Murphy as one of the best defensive catchers in in the game, as far as uh, you know, the, controlling the running game and 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 working with the pitching staff. You know, I've heard JT Realmuto's uh, name mentioned in there. You know, I think Realmuto is probably still number one, but I don't think Sean Murphy. I think Sean Murphy's in that group. And then you know they locked him up. Uh, Darno's under contract, uh, I think through next year, and there's a club option or something. So, you know, they they were really comfortable adding Murphy to that mix. Um, we may see them both in the lineup at, at times, one of them DH. And, um, but I think with the rule changes, that, that was another another big part of it But because Murphy's uh, ability to throw out base stealers and, and whatnot is going to uh, prove big this year. Now, uh, we've talked about the infield and catching. How's, what's the left field situation? Because they've got Harris, they've got Acuna. Who's the left fielder? That's a good question, and I mean that's the uh, if shortstop's the number one storyline, uh, left field's probably just right behind it. Eddie Rosario is World Series hero, but was pretty much a lost season last year. <clears throat> you know he uh, he underwent eye surgery. He's in camp this time, um, and uh, is going to play in the WBC with Puerto Rico. I think it's his job to lose, um, but they're calling an open competition. They've brought a lot of guys in. Marcel Zuna's still here. It's been a troubled two seasons for him, some off the field stuff, but the on the field stuff's not looked real good either. Um, I've seen him mentioned it in left field a lot here in the last week or so. And I think a lot of that might be, that might be the biggest signal that we may see one of the catchers at DH uh, a lot more than people were originally thinking. Um, Jordan Luplo, they brought him in uh, during the off season on a one-year deal. It looks to me like, they, if things go right, you could see some combination of uh, of those three and left. Maybe whoever's hitting them, hitting. Uh, I think it'd be the best situation would be uh, Rosario and platooning probably with Luplo at this point. Uh, but that is Luplo a question mark. Lefties, so that would make sense. Yeah, it, it, that's the that is a question mark. Um, it seems like they're going to throw a lot of guys at that problem to start with. But that's that's the one area that I could see them going out before the trade deadline. If it's not working out, then maybe they have to go out looking for a left fielder, uh, you know, to slot in that in that spot. Anybody that you think of off the top of your head that would fit in that role that could be available? 
man, we, we went through all kinds of options and, uh, this off season, you know, from Mitch Hanniger to, you know, all these people that we thought could go in there. But the, you know, the fact is there's a lot of money committed to those guys that I just mentioned earlier, uh, with Ozuna and, and Rosario. Rosario is making, going to make 9 million this year and still got a club option as well. So, you know, it makes sense that they're going to try those guys. Uh, I hate speculating on trades because a lot of times we don't even get a rumor with the Braves. They just tweet out the press release and, you know, the deal's done and it's not something that you ever really considered, you know. So it, it, they make it really tough to to kind of see where, where they would. But I could see them in the market for an outfielder if, you know, if if the situation in left doesn't work out. So the, the rotation for the Braves, I mean, they've got Max Stride, they've got um, Spencer Strider, as you mentioned. What's the rest of the rotation look like for them? Well, Kyle Wright came out of nowhere last year. He was pretty big, uh, you know, a pretty big surprise. I mean, we had a good performance in the World Series in 2021, went to spring last year, just hoping to land a spot and ended up being one of their better pitchers. You know, he really took a huge step forward. Charlie Morton's back. Uh, it was kind of an up and down year for Morton. Gave up a lot of homers last year, but he's still, still 200 strikeouts. Um, they're hoping that with a full spring and, you know, remember he had the broken leg in the world series. So he spent, he spent that off season kind of rehabbing and then the shortened spring, I don't think did him any favors. So they're hoping he's going to come back. And then there's a competition kind of for the fifth spot, um, between Ian Anderson, Michael Soroka, um, Bryce Elder, you know, they've got a lot of guys right there at that triple a top, uh, at the top of triple a that could, that could slot in there. So I think it's, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty uh, good competition going into. It's gonna we're gonna be, have to see how it plays out uh, through the end of March. But uh, you know, a lot of good options when you've got guys like Soroka, who's coming off a pretty significant injury, and then Anderson, who pitched a lot of key innings, you know, in twenty and twenty and one. So, yeah, what happened with Anderson? Because I remember when he came up in twenty twenty, that debut he was pretty much unhittable, and then. You know, he wasn't bad in 2021. He was a pretty decent pitcher. And last year, it seemed just like kind of the wheels just sort of fell off. What's What what happened and what's the outlook for him right now? It's a good question. Um, you know, we don't really know for sure. I know the metrics, there was always some concern about him a little bit because he's been essentially a two-pitch pitcher. He's got he's got a curveball. I know he's been working on a slider. But he essentially was a fastball changeup for uh, those early, you know, when he first came up. He had the shoulder injury in 2021, came back and pitched okay, but I didn't feel like he was ever what we saw in 2020. And then last year, his vlog, he came to spring. I felt like the shortened spring probably didn't do him any favors either. But he he, he struggled with the, to command that fastball, and, if, you know, and that was – that just kind of un, – unhinged everything else and ended that back up in triple a and then had an oblique injury at the end I, I wonder if he would have figured into the playoff picture had the injury not happened you know we will no, have no way of knowing that but uh you know it's it was a, it was pretty much a lost season for him but i know he spent a lot of the off season trying to correct that stuff um his first start yesterday didn't go well gave up a couple of homers um you know so we're just gonna have to see with him uh you know i mean you know, I don't know if they've not said anything that that there was anything really wrong seriously with that shoulder. It was kind of billed as inflammation, but he's never not really looked like the same guy since that since that All Star break in twenty twenty one. So, you know, we'll just have to see how it uh, 
how it plays out uh, with him the rest of the way. But I mean, you know, if they could get him back to anywhere close to that form, then this, you know, this rotation's really set in a lot of ways. I mean, the same can be said for uh, Soraka though with, um, you know, I mean, it was a bit, I, I, people might forget cause I think it was two years ago when he got hurt, but he was the ace of that staff for a bit, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was going to be the number one. And uh, when he, he got hurt three games, three starts into the 2020 season. And that's when uh, Max Freed really, uh, you know, ascended to that number one spot. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of question marks with Soroka. He did get back to the mound last year, uh, which was good. Pitched some in AAA and uh, was hoping to come, had a normal off season, but he's been bothered a little bit by hamstring in the early part of camp. He hasn't, is still isn't throwing off the mound. Braves obviously are not going to take any chances with him with how many, how many injuries he's had over the last few years. So, you know, if he's not on a mound soon, I'm going to guess that he's probably going to begin the season in AAA. But, you know, there's another guy that's kind of a lottery lottery ticket. If he can if he can get himself right physically again, then, you know, that's a potential another another really good starter. To- then there's the third one you mentioned, um, Elder, who um, Bryce who Elder is a little less proven than the other two. He came out yeah. last year, but what's the what's what's his deal? He, uh, you know, he made a deba- debut last year. It was a little surprising. Early on, struggled, uh, walked a lot of guys, elevated walk rate, went to uh, went to Triple A, and then came back up at the end of the season and pitched well. Um, you know, his first spring start didn't go well either, but. You know, it's so early in the camp, you know, you don't want to read too much into those early uh, early performances. But, you know, I don't think he's got the upside of Anderson or um, or Soroka at this point. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy that if they need somebody to make a start, they can call on him. He's proven that he they can call on him and he can eat some innings, you know, if they really need to. So Something that I've noticed with the Braves is that they bring up players pretty young. Um, how have they ma- – like, because I look at – you know, some teams they kind of okay. This guy is just going to do one one full year at Double A, regardless. One full year at High A. How do they manage to get these guys up through the system so quickly? Because I remember, like, just um, off the top of my head, like Bryce Wilson would make his debut when he was twenty, and that's just—I mean, he's not even with the club anymore. But you don't see that many starters making their major league debut with other teams, like before they can legally drink. Yeah, it's um, you know, of course, somebody like Acuna. You know, I mean, he just hit his way. He just hit his way there. But I think Harris was a little bit surprising for me like, personally last year. You know, I got a lot of questions. I mean, he's he'd impressed in the spring for two years, um, you know, but he was so young and hadn't played, really hadn't played at that point, hadn't played above a ball. You know, I thought he would send, spend the whole season at double A last year, but I think they finally decided that, you know, they needed his defense, if anything. And if he didn't, you know, if he just hit enough to, keep his head above water. They were going to hit him ninth and, and let him play go glove caliber uh, defense and center. But obviously, you know, he came up there and seized the opportunity, made a couple of adjustments and just really took off offensively. I mean, he was one of their, there was a stretch there. He was probably their most productive hitter, uh, you know, in the second half last season. So, um, you know, I don't really have a good answer for it, except that I know they believe you know, the minor, the farm system rankings will show the Braves at the bottom, but they feel like they still, they, they believe they're better than that. Um, you know, so I think as the teams transferred from a rebuild into a, into a, um, you know, a, a team that they think can contend year in, year out, we've seen them be more aggressive with young guys and, uh, you know, bringing them up. And, you know, I mean, I mentioned Kyle Wright, though. I think it's very uh, player by player 
specific because they yo-yoed Kyle Wright for the early part of his career. And then in, and then in 20, uh, 2021, just pretty much left him at AAA. He made one, one bad start early in that season and went to AAA and stayed there and stayed in the rotation all the way until the World Series when they needed him. And he came in and pitched. And, it, you know, he, I think all that yanking him around kind of hurt his development a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's talked about being able to settle in and make adjustments and, and you know, was prepared for the next step. So I think it's still really just a, a player-by-player player thing. But we have seen them as they've become a contender – be aggressive if they need it, you know, and you don't have to look any further than Vaughn Grissom or, or Michael Harris last year. Um, you know, there was another pretty famous Atlanta center fielder um, in Andrew Jones. Uh, do you get flashed? I'm not going to say Michael Harris is already Andrew Jones, but do you see defensively some Andrew Jones in him? Uh, yeah, I mean, you see it in there. I mean, to me, Andrew Jones might be the best defensive player, period that ever played the game. Um, you know, I was lucky. That was another one of those guys that, you know, I watched every day and I feel like I kind of took it for granted a little bit, you know, that I didn't realize what I was watching, but I do think Harris is, uh, you know, in that con going to be in that conversation. You know, I think he's, I think he's that good defensively. I mean, I don't think anybody's Andrew now, but he might very well be Harris might very well be the best defensive center fielder the Braves have had since Andrew was in, was out there. And I mean, I know, again, I know exactly what you mean with not appreciating it at the time with Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mookie yeah. Betts here in Boston. I mean, that, you know, it's, you, you see them 162 or 150 games a year, however much they're playing, and you get so used to it that you see somebody else who's just like a league average defender out there. You're like, wait, why did, why didn't he catch that? Um, right. <laughs> yeah, no, guys like that are, are pretty special. Have you become a little bit of an A's fan by osmosis just for them trading for like half of the brain spider leaguers. You know, it's funny um, with, uh, I always, when I was growing up, you know, I told you I watched the Braves religiously because they were on, but my, the Braves weren't really good in those late eighties, you know? So I kind of gravitated to Oakland then a little bit because uh, the Mark McGuire, uh, Jose Canseco, Ricky Henderson, Dave Stewart, you know, I was kind of a fan of those teams back then. And, then, you know, I've always, uh, Tim Hudson, you know, that, that group. So I've always kind of kept an eye on the A's a little bit. I always enjoyed watching them. Didn't get to watch them much. Uh, you know, back then you couldn't just dial it up on MLB.tv and, and watch it, you know, but, um, you know, it does, it does, it is funny when you kind of look at one of their spring lineups and you're like, Hey, you know, look at all these, look at all these guys that are there, you know, uh, that have, were in Atlanta just a couple of years ago or in the system a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it is it is kind of neat. What so we've covered almost everything now, but how's how's the bullpen? Who's the closer going to be with Kenley Jansen uh, leaving in free agency? I think it's going to be uh, they traded for Razel Iglesias at the deadline last year from the Angels, and I mean he was lights out when he got to Atlanta. He worked in pretty much a setup role, but he didn't allow but one run, one earned run the rest of the way. Um, for the last season. And so I think it's going to be his, to, his job to lose, um, you know, AJ Minner, I think AJ Minner had probably one of the best relief seasons of any reliever last year, but he didn't get the save. So nobody really noticed it that much, but you know, I think if, if Iglesias struggles, then we might see Minner finally get that, uh, closer chance or something. The back end of the bullpen looks pretty good. Um, you know, not enough people talked about Colin McHugh, 
last year. I thought that was one of the most unsung signings of the year just because he can go out and throw one in in, in the eighth or he can come in in the fifth and give you three innings if you if you need it. Um, so, you know, all the, the Braves bullpen has been pretty strong. I guess going dating back to 2020, there's some new faces down there, but they're pretty, you know, they've got a lot of options and I, I know they're pretty confident in it. Um, what do Red Sox fans have to look forward to in Kenley Jansen? Kenley, man, he had, you know, how, you know how closers are. I mean, you guys dealt with it with. <laughs> Not last with year. We last <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, he had one rough stretch last year. And it was kind of it was hard to watch it for a little bit, but you know, for the guy to go out there, um, and and just compete, be able to do that night in, night out, as long as he has, I am interested to see how he adjusts the pitch clock. I think that is the one that is the one major question I would have if had Kenley came back to Atlanta this year because he was very deliberate, uh, especially with runners on base. So that's going to be something I think you guys need to watch early on. Uh, but you know, I mean, he was. More so, like I said, other than one stretch, and I mean, what close? I mean, if it, only the best closers are not going to have that part of the season where they're, you know, they have a hiccup here or there. Um, you know, I, he was he was really fun to uh, to watch in Atlanta, honestly. So, you know, I'll be pulling for him, uh, you know, and everything. But I, that that pitch clock thing is the only thing that would would give me a little pause on him. Yeah. How's how because we had that Braves Red Sox game that ended in a tie to start spring training. Uh, yeah, last week. Um, <laughs> how how have you found the pitch clock to be so far? I'll be honest. I mean, I was I was I didn't expect to like it too much, but I watched that game and then watched the uh, the rest of the games that I've watched in there. I've kind of grown to it. Now, I do think, you know, it's important for everybody to get on the same page. Obviously, you don't want games ending the way that one did, um, you know, in the regular season. I think that's a bit, much bigger story. But I also think once the players kind of get get the rules and what they've got to do under their, you know, understand them better, that we're not going to see it as much. So I'm kind of I'm kind of optimistic about the play clock at this point just because I like the way – I like the pace. Um, you know, I think it's a little quicker pace. And, um, you know, I think once the players get used to it, then, you know, maybe it'll fade a little bit to the background and, and it won't be quite as prominent as it is now because it's new. Yeah, I do um, data streaming for the Red Sox AAA team and they've been doing they did the pitch clock all last year. I didn't actually notice it until someone pointed it out like in June to me. And I was like, I, I just thought like, oh, there are less commercials here. So right. it's it's faster in between innings. But games would generally be a little bit shorter than MLB games. Um, but I, um, yeah, I think once they get really get used to it, like you said, it's probably not even going to be something that we notice. Um, how, that's kind of my segue into how does the minor league system right now, when you look at, um, what what prospects are kind of on the horizon for the Braves? Well, the um, you know the the minor league system has been hit pretty hard, obviously because Michael Harris and Spencer Strider are in the majors. Um, you know they've traded between Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. I think they've sent eight guys, eight guys that would have probably been in their top twenty five. You know, out in, in deals to fill holes on the major league roster. So. But there's still some intriguing guys. Um, Jared Schuster's number one pick in 2020. He's at AAA. Uh, they've got a couple other guys, and Dylan Dodd, who was who appeared in that Red Sox game, looked pretty yeah. good. Um, 
you know, he's, he should be at AAA. Uh, Darius Vines, I think he also pitched in that game. Or I know he did over the weekend. You know, there's some more starter depth there. Then you kind of got to go to the low minors. I thought they had a really strong draft last year um, with uh, Owen Murphy. And then um, I think from the 2021 draft, A.J. Smith-Shower um, is kind of their one of their top prospects now. But they're still a little ways away. And, um, you know, if you remember, too, the Braves were shut out of international signings because right. of the, because of the uh, sanctions against uh, the former GM. So, you know, there is a little bit of a gap there. Uh, but I think, you know, if I think they've got some guys that could get some top 100 buzz maybe at midseason. And then, you know, with a strong draft again, things will start to look a little bit better. Um, but I think this is also, you know, when you lock up – when you lock up all these young players, the minors league system being weak doesn't hurt you quite as bad because your core is not your core is young to begin with. Um, you know, like I said, I think they've said many times they don't believe. You know, they don't look at the rankings the same way we do. They've got their own internal rankings and they think they're better. No, for example, nobody really. I mean, Harris and Strider wasn't weren't both top one hundred prospects last yeah. year and, and Von Grissom certainly wasn't and all three ended up making an impact on that club last year. So, you know, there'll be some surprises along the way, but it is going to be important that they kind of replenish some of that depth down there. Uh just so when injury strikes or, you know, something happens, they they've got somebody to fall back on or they've got people to keep making these trades, you know, trades with uh to use as trade capital to keep uh, supplementing the major league team. Yeah, it certainly seems like they have the uh, the degree of pitching to do that with at least every team needs pitching, except, like, I, I just can't believe how many options they have there. It's pretty pretty awesome uh, to think about. You could lose, like, your two back-end guys and have two guys right there to take their place. Um, are there any Braves players that are going to be in the World Baseball Classic this year? Yeah, the biggest one's going to be Acuna. Uh, he'll be playing Venezuela, and then, like I said, Eddie Rosario is playing Puerto Rico. Those are the two big names. Uh, they've got some other guys that are a little further back. Uh, I don't think they've got anybody on Team USA, and uh, none of the pitchers, none of the key major league pitchers are, are going, to my knowledge. But uh, it'll be fun watching Acuna uh, with Venezuela because I know that's going to be that's going to be insane. And then I think a lot of us are really interested to see what Eddie Rosario looks like. So we'll be paying attention just because he could play a, you know, if he came back and was just a league average bat again, you know, that's really going to lift. That's going to solve one of the big holes, question marks that you've got on the roster right now. As a division rival, how do you look at, um, how do you look at the spending that the, uh, the Mets are doing? Um, do you feel that the Braves are going to be able to compete with that? Well, I mean, you know, you've got to be smart. Um, you know, I think it's great for the game. I wish you'd see more teams spending the way the Mets and the Padres have, you know, because I think that's, you know, that's the point. That's the point of all this. You know, the Braves Braves are going to be, if they're not in the tax, they're right below it, which is the highest payroll they've ever had. You know, I don't expect them to go up to what uh, the Mets have done. But to compete with teams like that, and the Phillies giving Trey Turner $300 million, you know, obviously, you know, you've got to be smart. And, uh, you know, there's a chance that one of these long-term deals that they've handed out, Atlanta, might not work out, you know, in the long run. But I think that's why you've got to be – you've got to be really smart in your evaluations and 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 make those uh, make those moves because it's, it's going to be hard. 
you know, New York can afford to make a couple of mistakes. They can just keep spending, you know, and, and fill that spot. And every team can't do that right now or, or say they can't do that right now. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out. But I think the NL East is going to be one of the most interesting divisions in baseball just because you've got the Mets. And then, like I said, the Phillies, everybody forgets about the Phillies. And they, they made the run to the World Series last year. You know, they were the last NL East team standing at, at the end of the day. So, you know, and they'll get Bryce, yeah, and they'll get Bryce Harper back at midseason too. So you know, you can't you can't discount them either. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a really interesting division to watch. And but any of those three teams, it doesn't matter if they win it, if they're a wild card, any of those three teams could get hot and win the whole thing in in in, in October. Yeah, and I mean, even the Nationals are kind of still in rebuild, but and the Marlins don't have any hitting, but they do have that rotation. They've got the Cy Young winner. They've got a bunch of young guys there. That... Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Marlins are probably going to take a step forward here soon, but the problem is they're just in this. I mean, they could be a lot better next year, and their record not be not show it that much, just because they're in a in a division with you know, three heavyweights at this point. But, you know, I think they could be, you know, you we could look back at this at the end of the season. The Marlins may be the team that decides who wins the division because they just, you know, with that pitching staff and anytime you have to go up against Sandy, you know, it, it could be a, it could be a, it could be a problem. So, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, the Nationals are rebuilding, but, you know, I think Miami, Miami's getting better. Uh, I don't know if they can really, uh, challenge for a, a playoff spot yet but you know i think they're getting better yeah, you can't just dismiss them anymore now uh, i'm not going to ask you for a prediction for the your, the record for the braves or anything like that but i do want to ask you if you had to pick one player that could be a surprise this year maybe not to the extent of like a michael harris but somebody that's kind of flying under the radar right now who could have a really good season who do you think that would be on the Braves? I think it's going to be Sean Murphy. And and the reason I say that, I'll give you a little backstory here. I mean, uh, the catcher position was such a strength last year that a lot of Braves fans were like, why are we making this trade? Why are we making this trade? I don't, you know, but Murphy being on the West Coast, uh, you know, everybody didn't get to watch him. Oakland wasn't real good, uh, you know, for last season. But I think once he gets into Atlanta – and gets in this, you know, I think he's going to produce at the plate. I think he's going to solidify their defense behind the plate, handle the pitching staff. I think once we get to watch him day in, day out, you're going to see how big of a deal that trade was in, in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's weird for me to say the biggest move of the offseason is going to be their sleeper the sleeper this year. But, I mean, I think it is, really is. It's kind of gotten overshadowed with the return of Acuna to full health and Ozzie Albies coming back and – you know, I don't think enough people are talking about how big of a move that getting Sean Murphy and then signing him to an extension uh, is going to be for this team. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Chris. Um, really appreciate it. Where where can people uh, follow you uh, if they want to see your uh, they want to just see your material, your content? Um, where, where can they follow you? Well, you can, you can find us at batterypower.com. And then um, I'm on Twitter at, at Chris underscore Willis, but it's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S underscore Willis. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on here and, and talk a little baseball with you. Yeah, yes, sir. Um, I can say that I've low-key been a, been a bit of a Braves fan because of those TBS days and, you know, just that 2021 uh, team was so much fun. But it's uh, it's really cool hearing more in-depth about what to expect out of them. So uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
Yeah, we'll see y'all next time.